Hell yeah! What up? Nothing. What's up with you, baby? Nothing, you know. Straight chillin'. Hmm. I'm a little bit curvy chillin'. <laughs> yeah? Not not 100% straight chillin'. All right. Like, you feel me? You feel me. That's good for the but vibe. It's good. It's a vibe. That's yeah. All. So the day that this comes out is 419, which is, you might not know, the day before 420. That is it. And if you don't know, 420 is kind of an unofficial but also official weed smoking holiday it's the weed number it is the weed number and we'll talk do you about have a it. history behind that okay i do yes the first thing i'm going to talk I about like, i don't know why <laughs> the first thing i'm going to talk about is the history behind 420 so this is not a 420 episode it is a weed episode and um we can't talk about weed and not talk about uh the severe injustices against people who mm -hmm. um are jailed for a substance that is legal in a lot of the country now and is like um celebrated in a lot of the country now so yeah before you're worried we're we will be getting to that but i know a lot of people are like hey what is 420 and why is 420 so how is how is 420 when is 420 <laughs> it's 420 um so this is the history behind that so there is a lot of lore around the creation of 420 and uh some say that it 420 is the code amongst police officers for weed smoking in progress um it is not Another theory is that there are 420 active chemicals in marijuana, but that's also not true because there are um, it, nearly 500 components oh. within weed. Oh, I was going to say, no, there can't be chemicals in it. It's, an, it's like a... It's, components. It's a plant. Components is oh, what okay. the article that I read said. Um, I was like, ah. <laughs> A lesser known possibility that I just learned while uh, researching this topic that I had never heard before is that there's a 1939 short story by H.P. Lovecraft and Kenneth mm. Sterling called In the Walls of Eryx's, E-R-Y-X. And it's a story that describes a curious mirage plant that could possibly sound similar to weed and appeared to get the narrator high at, according to his watch, around 420. Nice. And since this story is from 1939, it's perhaps the earliest written link between marijuana and the number 420. Again, oh. I read it, this in an article, I think by Vox or something like that. I don't know mm -hmm. if any of that is true. But then there's okay. another theory that cites Bob Dylan's song, Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 35, because 12 multiplied by 35 equals 420. That's mm. really, we're really getting in in the weeds about that one <laughs> uh but the truth is a lot more simple than that and uh it happened out of high school okay so a group of high school kids in marin county california in 1971 friends steve capper dave reddix jeffrey knoll larry schwartz and mark gravich would meet up at 420 by the statue of chemist louis pastor at san rafael high school to smoke weed together L-O-U-I-S? I'm sorry. Uh, L-O-U-I-S. Louis? Louis? P-A-S-T-E-U-R? Yeah. Louis Pasteur. That's the... That's... No, that just... That's close. That just really... No, no, no. I know. I am I think it's very funny that that's... It, he's literally, like, 
pasteurization. Like, that's yeah. who that is. Yeah, there was a statue of them in front of the, like, by their high school. And that's where they'd why? meet to smoke. I don't know. Like, that's, I want to, that's what I want to know. I'm like, why do you, <laughs> I don't know. Why do you, he's a French dude. Yeah, sure. Like, I, uh, don't argue with me. I have no clue. I didn't. I'm not. I'm just school. curious. I just want to know. <laughs> like, here we go. Like, they chose that specific time <laughs> because they said that that's like when most after school activities would usually be over by. And okay. uh, the group became known as the Waldos because they met by a wall. <gasps> oh, I thought you were going to say they all wore stripes. <laughs> No, that would have been real excited. That would have been better. Um, <laughs> one of the guys, Capper, he told Huffington Post in 2017, "quote We would remind each other in the hallways when we were supposed to meet up at 4:20. Originally, it started out as 4:20 Louis, and then we dropped the Louis. We'd meet at 4:20, get in my old '66 Chevy Impala, and of course, we'd smoke instantly and smoke all the way out to Point Reyes and smoke the entire time we were out there. We did it week after week." end quote and the reason they went to point reyes i read in um a couple different articles is that there was a rumor that uh some guy i think they said like a coast guard guy planted weed out there and uh that there was like some kind of like weird pirate map or something to like find it so they went to go find the plant it was like a stoner scavenger hunt and they never found anything huh but that's interesting yeah uh, Reddix, one of the other guys, he told Time in 2017, quote, we got tired of the Friday night football scene with all of the jocks. We were the guys sitting under the stands, smoking a doobie, wondering what we were doing there, end quote. <laughs> There's always a group of those. There is always. <laughs> Eventually, Reddick's brother helped him get work with the Grateful Dead bassist Phil Lesh as a roadie, and so the band is said to have po- helped to popularize the term 420. Capper said, quote, we'd go with Mark's dad, who was a hip dad from the 60s. There was a place called Winterland, and we'd always be backstage running around or on stage. And of course, we're using those phrases when somebody passes a joint or something. Hey, 420. So it started spreading around the community, end quote. On December 28, 1990, a group of deadheads in Oakland handed out flyers that invited people to smoke 420 on April 20th at 420 p.m. One of the flyers ended up with Steve Bloom, who was a former reporter for High Times Magazine. And that's a stoner weed smoking magazine. Okay. Um, the magazine printed the flyer in 1991 and continued to reference the number afterwards. They even purchased 420.com, the domain, in the 90s. Editor Steve Hager told HuffPost in 2010, quote, I started doing all these big events, the World Hemp Expo Extravaganza and the Cannabis Cup, and we built everything around 420. The publicity that High Times gave it is what made it an international thing. Until then, it was relatively confined to the Grateful Dead subculture. But we blew it out into international phenomenon, end quote. In 1998, High Times acknowledged that the Waldos were the quote-unquote inventors of 420. Bloom, cool. now the publisher of CelebStoner.com, has credited the people who wrote the flyer for the date's continued reputation as an annual gathering of pot smokers, writing in 2015, quote, they wanted people all over the world to get together on one day each year and collectively smoke pot at the same time. They birthed the idea of a stoner holiday, which April 20th has become, end quote. That's so cool. Yeah, right? I mean, it started as something fun, but we'll get to, like, it's become something Something a little bit much so kate curley a cannabis and hemp entrepreneur and activist says that for her 420 is a day to honor cannabis for all of its benefits which include um, treating diseases as well as providing food clothing and shelter 
There are other benefits as well, some of which are not very well known to the public. She says, quote, cannabis is efficient in producing biodegradable plastics, wood alternatives and animal bedding. Its rapid growth makes it one of the fastest CO2 to biomass conversion tools available, end quote, huh. which is something they don't really talk about. Yeah. Hemp should be used for more things. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, why not? In the years since, major rallies occurred annually across the country on April 20th, particularly in places like Colorado, California, and other states where marijuana has been legalized. Vivian Mapique, a founder of Seattle's Hemp Fest, states that 420 is, quote, half celebration, half call to action. Okay. But as support for marijuana legalization grows and the festivities are becoming more mainstream and commercialized, 420 has... Uh, been seeing the same trend that has happened in recent years with Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Brands have kind of co-opted the day to seem hip and happening. <laughs> Spotify creates stoner playlists. Totino's put up a billboard in Colorado that said, quote, it's high time for some pizza rolls. Hashtag better when baked. And That's quote. amazing. And Lyft, I didn't know that. And Lyft offered on 420 a $4.20 single ride discount. And these are just to name a few. There's a lot mm -hmm. of uh, brands that are like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, weed. <laughs> uh, okay. Scott Sundver, who is CEO and co-founder of Space Coyote, which is a San Francisco-based infused joint maker, uh, he's thoroughly disappointed at this turn of events about how commercialized the holiday has become. He said in an interv interview with Forbes, quote, what started as a celebration of weed has degenerated into a consumerism and a bargain hunting at dispensaries. In an effort to keep his company uh, less retail obsessed, they offer no special 420 discounts. He says, quote, this 420, we encourage everyone to get out in nature, light up a joint and enjoy their day in this and this beautiful plant to the fullest, end quote. Mm -hmm. So that's what it should be. You don't need any special yeah. discounts. You should uh, enjoy what is legal in your state and also uh, fight for the same rights for other people in other places. Amen. Um, one of the um, pop culture things that I wanted to address is um, a little known show called 21 Chump Street. Have you seen? I I haven't seen it. You haven't? But I know it. Okay. But I, I've seen like clips on YouTube. It, the whole thing's on YouTube. Yeah, but I haven't seen the whole thing. Right. I've just seen like I don't even think I've even seen the clips on YouTube. I think I've seen the clips on like Instagram. Okay, like because you can yes, watch you can watch the entire thing on YouTube. If you don't know, Twenty One Chump Street is a fourteen minute one act musical with book, music, and lyrics by Lin Manuel Miranda. It stars Miranda himself as well as Anthony Ramos, Lindsay Mendez, Alex uh, Bonello, Gerard Conico. And Antoine Holly, And the show is based on the second act of episode number 457 of This American Life, titled What I Did for Love. And it was reported mm -hmm. by Robbie Brown. And the title is obviously a, a satirical reference to the 1987 TV show 21 Jump Street, which is about uh, undercover narcotics agents in a high school. And that's kind of what this story is about. So it is based on a true story. Mm -hmm. And that oh, story... I, I didn't know that. Yes. That story is, in 2012, several young recently graduated police cadets were sent undercover to three schools in Palm Beach County, Florida. They assimilated right into the culture, eating in the cafeteria, going to classes, even taking that year's standardized tests and creating fake 
Facebook profiles for their high school personas. That's fucked. Yeah. Uh, They were there to investigate reports of drugs being sold at the schools. Only the principals knew that they were there. The teachers, parents of the students were all left in the dark. And this was called Operation D minus. At one of those schools. That's... Yeah, it, it's. And this was in 2012, so it's not that long ago. It's still no, like a little sketch. That's the thing. It's still. Ew. Yeah. It, it, I... Well, it gets even grayer area. Great. So Love that. at one of those schools, Park Vista Community High School, 18 year old honor student Justin LeBoy was in his last semester of his senior year. And to his surprise, a beautiful new girl was in two of his classes. According to Justin, they clicked instantly. Naomi Rodriguez was a Puerto Rican and Dominican girl from Queens. Justin was a Puerto Rican guy from the Bronx. They talked a little in Spanish, and Justin even let her copy his homework. Justin was a good-looking kid, and uh, he was very kind. And while he had a few short relationships in the past, he told This American Life that he was attracted to Naomi because she seemed very adult, above all the gossip and games people played in high school. He said, that's because she was. Yeah, that's because she was 25. <laughs> uh, he says, quote, it's the maturity level that I really cared for. I told her a lot of my feelings. I told her how I felt for her. I mean, I'm not the type of person to just open up to you unless we have a really good relationship. And I was just opened up so much. I told her about my whole life story, about my parents. I told her the problems that I had, end quote. And she had confided in him as well. And Justin started to think that maybe she liked him as much as he liked her. So eventually, Justin decides he's going to ask Naomi to prom. Quote, she's a senior. I'm a senior. Our last year. I don't know where we're going to be after this. So let me just set up, be a man, and do what I got to do. End quote. Naomi quickly gave an answer that she wasn't planning on going because she was new. She didn't really know a lot of people and the tickets were too expensive. So Justin mistook this hesitancy as uh, that it was too expensive. So he just bought her ticket. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they didn't end up going to prom, spoiler alert. So sometime at the beginning of April, after she'd been at the school for three months, Naomi first asked Justin about drugs. He told her that he didn't smoke, but like any guy trying to impress a girl, uh, that he could get her some if she wanted. And the police would later say that Justin told Naomi that he did smoke weed, to which Justin replied that he was just trying to impress her. And he would he would have said right. anything. I once told a kid that I didn't believe in Santa. I believed in Santa. I was like seven. Yeah. But like, it's you, you say. Yeah, you what say you stupid gotta... things if you're yeah. trying to impress somebody. So yes. whatever the story was, she took him up on the offer, but it wasn't as easy as Justin thought. He said, quote, I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? Like, I had never done this in school before. So I'm really scared and skeptical about it, too, at the same point. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. So I'm asking my homeboy and my friend is like, no, I don't know, because I don't hang out with guys like that. End quote. He didn't know anybody that sold weed. He had to, like, really like look around for somebody yeah he didn't associate with anybody like that not that like it's bad to associate with somebody who smokes weed but it's just like he was so far removed from that kind of culture that he didn't know what to do yeah i i was a nerd in high school and i'm not scared to admit it and like if you had asked me hey where can i get weed i would not have been able to tell you yeah it wasn't that i was just like not uh, like that i looked down on people i just would not have known i 
fuck me if I know. I still, yeah. if, I, if we didn't have dispensaries out here, I still wouldn't know where to get weed. Yeah, if you're just so far removed from the culture of it, it's just like, why would it even be on your radar? Exactly. But he did eventually find somebody, a friend of his cousin's, and after a couple of days, after they first talked about it, Justin brought a baggie of weed to school. Justin said, quote, and I was petrified and I was like, oh my God, I'm actually going to do this. So we were in class and I sat right next to her and she was like, hey, do you have that? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I do. And I was like, okay, we're going to wait a few because I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, give it to her in her hand, slide it. She was like, okay, put it in my purse. Okay. She put her purse on top of my desk and then I slide it right in there. She goes, okay, now take the money. I was like, no, I don't need the money. It's okay. Just have it. You can take it. She goes, no, please take the money. You make me feel bad. So 10 minutes pass, and then we were still arguing about it. I'm like, please, no, I don't want the money. And she goes, no, just take the money. Take the money. Please take the money. It will make me feel better. And I'm just like, okay, you know what? Just so you could shut up, I'll take the money. Don't worry. You're making me feel bad. Now I'm taking the money from you. End quote. So, Justin took the $25 from Naomi. He sold her drugs on school property. That's fucking... Oh, I'm mad about this. Yeah. Justin would later find out that selling weed in Florida was a felony with an even harsher penalty on school property. And he was 18. So he was an adult when this all happened. The next month, the police did a sweep at all three schools where Operation D-minus was in effect. 31 people, almost all of them students, were arrested for selling small amounts of weed, and Justin was one of them. Dear God. When he was informed that he had sold to an undercover cop, he felt very betrayed by Naomi. Quote, Mm -hmm. if it was a guy doing this, if a guy ever tried to come up to me like this, I would have put my hand in his face straight up and said, no, get out of my face. It was different feeling that when you get from a girl you like, you're not going to turn down a person that you want to be with. End quote. Well, and she... And she baited him. Like, she kept pushing. She befriended him. Well, she earned I, his trust. I will say that that it is kind of a he said, she said story because, like, I'll get to it that, like, she, her accounts of things are a little bit different, that he just took the money and, like, without being pressured into it. But I will say that if he, if he is uh, true saying that, like, he kind of confided in her and like really told her about his his life and his family and everything she would have known that he was not the kind of person to have or sell drugs that's what i'm saying like this is emotional manipulation like it wasn't like he was even dealing the drugs she had to like be like oh well where can i get them can you get them for me like it just it feels like entrapment it's different than a sting operation. It's different than trying, like, she didn't get it's not one like, of the bad guys. Yeah. She got, like, she ruined a kid's life. It's not like she saw a group of kids smoking and be like, oh, my God, where'd you guys get that? Like, can you put me in contact with your dealer? It wasn't, like, it didn't seem like that. It just seemed like she glommed on to one person and forced a narrative that she needed to fulfill because she was a cop. That was her job. Yeah, it gives me the same vibe as when, for those who don't live in the U.S., this is a thing, um, that 
like when it's the end of the month and cops need to reach their their like quotas for the month of like oh like i've only arrested x number of people or given x number of tickets so they'll just pull anyone and everyone i've heard over. that i don't know how true that is i don't know if it's like a happened to michael yeah i around the corner from your from your parents house it happened to michael yeah I, I don't know how, how like, true the end of the month thing is. I mean, we could just have a bunch of... Oh, I know, Bean. Bean is yelling. Bean. Dear Lord. Uh, Bean thinks it's an injustice. Yeah, there could just be a lot of, like, towns where uh, there's extra vigilant cops that um, are just too happy to pull anybody over that is out of state. But I mean, yeah, that too. Yeah. Michael, again, in, in Michael's situation, at least, Michael was not out of state. Oh, yeah, yeah. Michael, had, Michael had New Jersey plates. Yeah, I also got, I got pulled over that same night. Makes sense to me. I had, I had Connecticut plates. I didn't have New Jersey plates. Yeah. However, both of us got pulled over. Neither of us were doing something wrong. And both of us were accused of doing something wrong that we definitely were not doing. For him, it was, they said his taillight was out. I pulled into his parents' house after he did. And he was not his taillights were not out. And yeah, I had a friend pulled over um, because they were dropping their brother off at like either the airport or like the bridge or something. And it was like two o'clock in the morning and on his way back into town, he got pulled over and he was like, what? He's like, well, your eyes are bloodshot. It's like, well, it's two o'clock in the morning and I I was out driving. So, yeah. And they they were like, well, uh, uh, the uh air freshener on on the um the rear view mirror that's a obstruction of view so uh for fuck's sake yeah yeah and i would like to see inside their car and see if there's air freshener fucking in there yeah whatever like fuck off anyway uh, yeah they'll they'll create um narratives based on what fits they need yeah well when This American Life's Robbie Brown spoke to the officer who played Naomi, she whose uh, identity is hidden, like hasn't come out saying like uh, who she actually is, um, but is still referred to as Naomi in the article. Um, she had no regrets about what she did. She said she was just doing her job, saying, quote, these, these kids need to wake up. They need to realize they can't be doing this, end quote. Um, so Justin took a plea deal, three years probation That's in fucked. exchange for pleading guilty to a felony charge. His lawyers told him that if it went to trial, it'd be his words against Naomi's. And they disagreed about the drug deal. Like I said, she says he kept at that. He says that she kept asking him to sell her marijuana. She says that he brought it up first. He says that she insisted he take the money. She said that he just took the money without prompting. Either way, police had Justin's text messages telling Naomi that he would get weed for her. So Justin's lawyer advised him, just take the plea. During the week he spent in jail before the plea came through, Justin thought about the betrayal of someone who he thought he had a special relationship with, saying, quote, I would have a good time when I would be with her, and I would be with her all the time. And that's why when this all collapsed and it caved in, I just felt so, it just hurt, end quote. Yeah. So Justin had planned to go into the Air Force after high school, but with a felony conviction, that was off the table. As a result, he decided to attend Palm Beach State College, and he now owns a car detailing company. In an article with the Palm Beach Post, he said, quote, I don't have any anger about it. I just push forward. Life goes on, end quote. But he said he still thinks of the girl he knew as Naomi, saying, quote, if I would see her, I would give her a handshake and say, 
you changed my life. Did your life change? End quote. Damn. Yeah. That was literally just another day at her job and the entire course of his life changed because he thought he needed to impress a girl with weed. Yeah. Yeah. And while I do, I do agree that like kids in high school should probably not be smoking weed, like developing brains, like let, let everything solidify in there before you introduce (laughs) uh, groovy chemicals. Let the jello congeal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like going into the fridge when it's like only been in there for 10 minutes and you're stirring it around. It's never gonna. You're fucking. I. It's I never love gonna you solidify so if you keep fucking with it. <laughs> Haley, I can't wait for you to be a parent. <laughs> this is great. I'm almost thirty, so like my brain is Dear like God. hella done. So she's turning. Yeah, 30. it's bad. You are a parent to Bean. a cat that is screaming is at Bean, me. Does Bean partake with catnip? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I have tons of catnip for this cat. Only yeah. adult supervision, though. As he deserves. Uh, yes, yes. Yes. Of course. It's it's just it's you'd rather he do it in the house. Yeah. That's the only place he's ever been. So <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. And God willing, it'll stay that way. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> um. So before I get into um our call to action for the episode, I wanted to talk about um some kind of like scary numbers <laughs> that I oh, found. Great. So according to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, that on their website, they boast, quote, this webpage features the most noteworthy statistics in the United States, end quote. Damn. Okay. Uh, so according to their website, 55 million American adults currently use marijuana and 45% of Americans have tried it at least once. There are 50.68% more marijuana users than tobacco smokers, which is all right. Sure. That's better. I would think. Yeah. Um, 15.7 million people have been arrested for marijuana offenses in the last 20 years. Okay. Meanwhile, legal marijuana sales from just 2018 exceed $10.4 billion. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. According to the ACLU, 52% of all drug arrests in 2010 were for weed, making one bust every 37 seconds. Of the 8.2 million marijuana arrests between 2001 and 2018, uh, sorry, uh, 2001 and 2010, 88% were simply for having marijuana. Small amount of marijuana, not selling, not growing, just having it. When you look at marijuana users in the 18 to 25 Uh, year old demographic white and black people are using at the same rate yet a black person is four times more likely to get busted for possession even in western states with recreational cannabis laws black people were 1.5 between 1.5 and 1.8 percent more likely to be arrested for having weed in 2010 if you were in iowa dc minnesota or illinois a black person was between seven 0.5 0.5 and 8.5 times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than a white person. States also waste around $3.6 billion every year enforcing marijuana laws. Money that can go to far better things. Yeah. Yeah. Bean agrees. He does. Uh, Forbes reported in 2020, citing the FBI's uniform 
crime report that in 2019, more people were arrested for cannabis than for all violent crimes put together. That's then then clearly there's a disconnect. That should be your indicator that something is amiss here. Yeah. Police arrested 545,602 people for cannabis-related crimes in 2019, which is 9% higher than the 495,871 people arrested for violent crimes in the same year. And those being arrested for cannabis aren't just those making money from selling, growing, or manufacturing. They are mostly just people who use cannabis. The vast majority of these arrests, 92%, were, again, for simple possession of the drug. Yeah. Over 500,000 of those arrests for cannabis were simply found uh, by just possessing it. Even if we take out all the arrests for being involved in unregulated cannabis commerce and just focus on the arrests for cannabis possession, the numbers still outpace the arrests for violent crimes. Eric Alteri, the executive director for cannabis advocacy group Normal, N-O-R-M-L, explains, quote, Police across America make marijuana-related arrests every 58 seconds. At a time when the overwhelming majority of Americans want cannabis to be legal and regulated, it is an outrage that many police departments across the country continue to waste tax dollars and limit law enforcement resources on arresting otherwise law-abiding citizens for simple marijuana possession. Eight fucking men. Yeah. Despite legalization efforts, arrests for cannabis reach an all-time peak a decade ago with close to 800,000 cannabis possession arrests. And while those numbers have decreased over the last decade, they have been increasing again over the last three years. So again, it's one of those things like got to make your money somehow. It's easier to arrest somebody uh, for having a little bit of weed than to put in the legwork of actually busting real criminals. And I just, yeah, and uh, we both live in states where it is legal. Yes, now. Yes, now. <laughs> Thanks, Jersey. Thanks for catching up. Um, it's just, it's so ridiculous that, like, some people are put away for life. Yes. For something that is now legal. And that there are people who are still, like, just finishing out their sentences. Yeah. For something that is now legal like imagine what a slap in the face that has to be that oh well you broke the rule then you can be somebody like justin and have dreams of go like being months away from like entering the air force and like doing something for your country and then being uh told nope you can't do any of that because you got weed for somebody yeah and and it's not even like there were other it it wasn't even as black and white as you got weed for somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like there there were other factors at play. And it and he's technically an adult, but you show me one 18-year-old, newly 18, that is capable of making like 100 percent fully adult decisions. Yeah. It it's just It's ridiculous. And and beyond that, I, I think we'd be remiss not to mention that the reason that weed is illegal in the first place is largely rooted in racism. Well, because yeah, 
Yeah. It was illegal in the first place, I should say, because in many states it's legalized, but it's not federally legalized. Nope. And if you work for the government, you will get nailed like you will get fired. Um, but no, because there was um, I'm trying to remember. It was like in the 30s. And basically it was like they believed the people who passed the the who made it illegal. Um, they believed that smoking pot it was like a it was like for black people it wasn't for white people and that you would be like a black person it, you would liken yourself to one by participating in something that black people used it, it and even more so than that worse than that they they felt that it would be like a gateway to fraternizing with black people like with white people fraternizing with black people yeah and it's just when you're in a, when you're creating a rule that is rooted in racism and punishment is at the hands of a of an institution that is rooted in racism, it's just it I I mean, outside of making it just it, it's so clear that it's it was wrong to begin with. Yes. It's 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 you like how what do you where do you even go from here? Like you've got to like burn the whole joint down not literally and not the joint god um but any other episode i could say joint but not this one um but you've got to just basically like take the whole system apart brick by brick and start it over again because i mean there are people who are suffering and it's it's not even that it's unfair it's unjust yeah and we're gonna talk about a couple of those places so like this is our our call to action for the episode if you have been listening and are outraged and want to do something. Here's a couple places um, that you can help. And the first one I'm going to talk the most about is called the last prisoner project. And they are doing fantastic work. And I just think that their statement on their website describes them best. So I'm going to read it directly. Quote, imagine sitting in a cell for years, decades, or even life convicted of an activity that is no longer a crime while thousands of other people build intergenerational wealth doing exactly the same thing mm -hmm. that is the situation over 40,000 cannabis prisoners face today in the united states alone while countless others languish in jails and prisons worldwide the last prisoner project has one singular mission to set them free we will not rest and we will not stop until the last cannabis prisoner is set free end quote and i just think that they are a fantastic organization. Um, they started in 2019, quote, out of the belief that if anyone is able to profit and build wealth in the legal cannabis industry, those individuals must also work to release and rebuild the lives of those who have suffered from cannabis criminalization, end quote. And uh, the heroes behind this organization are a group of attorneys, criminal justice reformers, and advocates fighting to free those incarcerated, giving them tools and support as they reenter society, as well as supporting the children of those still in prison by giving them scholarships. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there's actually some uh, celebrity ambassadors you might know, including Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin. Doug Benson. Makes sense. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Doug Benson <laughs> is another one that makes sense. Uh, Bill Maher. Oh. Mo Melissa Etheridge. Good for her. Montel Williams. Mm-hmm. Love and, him. Uh, Bob Marley's son, Stephen and Damien. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm also a little surprised Seth Rogen's not on that list. Who? I kind of thought you were going to mention him. Seth Rogen? Maybe I, you've heard of him? He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't listed on the website as one of their advocates. 
Yeah, because he's been outspoken about it. And I mean, for those, if you've been living under a rock, he smokes a bit. Yeah. Um, Might have made a whole movie about it, but... uh, Several. (laughs) Yes, yes, but I'm saying for specifically Pineapple Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, uh, I mean, last podcast on the left also did, um, they did a Mm -hmm. uh, fundraiser for The Last Prisoner Project. They did a, a mugshot roast. Um which was really good and i'm sure they'll be doing more stuff in the past i think their weed line um donates to the last prisoner project i believe oh awesome um see that's what we should do yeah like not we you and me but like that's what companies should do yeah if you're if you are enjoying this product uh you should be helping out the people who uh were and got arrested for it right yeah um, there's other places that you can help. I previously mentioned Normal, which is National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. With several several chapters across the country, Normal's mission is to remove all of the penalties for the private possession and responsible use of marijuana by adults, including cultivation for personal use and casual nonprofit transfers of small amounts. They also advocate for the creation of a legal and regulatory framework for marijuana's production and retail sale to adults. There is also Women Grow, which is an organization focused on female leadership in the cannabis industry. The organization's primary goal is to turn legal cannabis into the first female-led billion-dollar industry. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm here for it. On the same vein of that is Supernova Women, which is an organization formed by and for women of color with the goal of empowering women of color to become self-sufficient shareholders in the evolving cannabis economy. Supernova is focused... Uh, is founded with the mission to foster community empowerment through education, advocacy, and the network building that has been working tirelessly to break down some of those barriers to entry in the industry. And there's also New Leaf Project, NLP, and their mission is to build intergenerational wealth via the legal cannabis industry for communities disproportionately harmed by cannabis criminalization, which includes Black, Indigenous, Latina, Latino, Latinx communities. Here we go. I'm here for it. I'm down. Support those. I'm going to post them on our website. Uh, Those are just like, again, I I handpicked a couple of those. There are so many more organizations that um, you can look up. You definitely look up in your own state, in your own community um, to see if there's anybody that you can support. And um, this shouldn't be something that is criminalized because it's fucking dumb. It's fucking dumb and it's it's i don't know it's just you wouldn't like i have not heard for example of a single person who w- was in jail and i could be wrong about this i it's not like i've gone and researched it but who was in jail because they provided alcohol during the prohibition like yeah i never heard about that yeah it's just it's very it's very pointed yeah, and that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. But, you know, that's our weed episode. I know it's a short one, but, you know, you got, got like you got an homework hour and a to half. do. Well, you got homework to do. You got an hour and a half. And on God damn it, like we got to save some time for the for the weed number. We got to celebrate yeah. in style and whatnot. I'm cool now. Sure. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh but yeah my cat screaming i being a screaming my stomach's screaming i mean 
we're all screaming because of the injustice that is institutionalized racism. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so let's all just scream together. Uh, uh, um, you can scream with us on all of our social media. True. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Uh, website is crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. Email is crimeculturepod at gmail.com. Oh, if you find a, um, a, a, uh, an organization, um, Mm -hmm. that I missed or that you want to highlight for, um, legalization and for, um, empowerment of, uh, minorities in the industry, definitely, um, send it to us crimeculturepod at gmail.com and I will add it to a list that we will put on our website. Hell yeah. So I'm please down. Do. Um, that's that. Enjoy tomorrow responsibly wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, Enjoy weed responsibly all the time. Yeah. Why not, not like not like all the time. Like not while operating heavy machinery or around children. If you're working or, or if you're around children um, no matter how tempting it may be. Uh, but but if you're around children and they're not yours and you're not responsible for them, go for it. Go for it. Like, like if you're if you're aunt. with your friends at like an amusement park and you're not bringing children and you want to like be chill on lines waiting for a ride, smoke weed. America's musical theater daddy, who's not from America, Andrew Garfield, did exactly that for I think it was his 30th birthday. He went to Disneyland with Emma Stone and some of his friends, and they got high as fuck. I'm turning 30. You want to go to Disneyland? No, I'll, do I'll, it. Do, I'll go somewhere else, but I'll be high when I do it, maybe. She just wants to go somewhere that I'm not. What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I said nothing. Uh-huh, yeah. Now, now that she's got no excuse to come out to California, she's got what she needs right in New Jersey. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Anyway, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.